0: Start, you know, to come up here and, and prepare to share the word of God, preparing our hearts as we have, Humbling ourselves before the Lord. It's just a reminder. That it's about Him. It's not about us. He's the one we celebrate, right? And whatever we have, whatever gift we have, whatever ability we may have, is a borrowed soup. It's it's a He's the owner, right? I have a friend who would show up. Suit and everybody would praise him because of that fancy suit he had. It was a suit that was given to me by ex-General Mussolini before he died. And it was a real fancy suit, so he would show up in the house and say, I'm going to a fancy wedding in your suit. And then everybody would praise him because of the suit he had. And he would get puffed up. But he would always find a friend that knew me. he said, say, what are you talking about, man? That suit's not yours, that's progress. I <laughs> just put it down and disinflated. Right? Mm-hmm. We're borrowed suits. And whatever we may be shown for, you've got to you know it's yes. all yes. and, and thank you for uh, reminding us that this is a, a really joyful time uh, for me to come to this church as Pastor Gus says. I uh, feel <laughs> friendship here, very good friend with um, my brother Edwin. We meet often. We share often. We pray together. And um, so many people here that are from Recovery House of Worship, and then that there are, that have impacted my life. And then uh, this is the church. I think I said this once. But most reminds me of my home church in the Republic. I'm here with a friend, Natalie uh, David. He's uh, from our home church in DR. He's now living in, um, here in New York, a part of the church plant for starting. By the way, pray for us. October fifth is our launch service. We publicly go uh, Washington Heights. So, and, and the, the thing he told me when the moment you know we I saw him here, he says it reminds me so much. Back um, it, it's just a, it's a refreshment. So. Um, Thanks for the invite once again and for the trust uh, laid upon me. Uh, today we're going to uh, we're going to reflect on a long story uh, of Jesus' encounter with a woman. You've probably heard this story, and, and this is going to be somewhat of a review for you. Maybe it's, there's some aspects of the story that are going to be new for you. Maybe you've never heard it; and it's very fresh. But in a way, the story of it's the story of this woman, who's really the story of us all. We're all in it. Um, It talks about the underlying force of our life journey, what moves us, what motivates us, what we're all kind of seeking. This woman is a searching woman, unknowingly probably, but um, she was searching. She was searching in her heart. And you know, all of us right now, there's something uh, that is very significant that underlines the force of our life that we're we're searching for that. We're looking for that in our relationships and the goals that we have in life, the dreams that we have. This is what the story is all about. So let's read uh, John chapter 4. You have it in your bulletin. And we're going to split the reading. You may stand for the reading of the Word of God. I'll read from verses 3 to 19. John chapter 4, verses 3. Jesus, he left Judea, went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. Remember that expression. He had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew. And I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Mm-hmm. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that's asking you for, for a drink, who it is that asking you for a drink, you would have asked Him, and He would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw, and the well is deep. Where can I get this living water? Where can you get this living water? You Are, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself and did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, "I can see that you're a prophet."
1: <laughs> this is the word of the Lord. You may see. You may be
0: see. From the very get-go of this story, is a front collision here of the way the majority of people, and especially in our culture, the the way we think about um, faith and spirituality. It's it's in front collision right here. It goes something like this. It goes something like this. I believe in God. I believe in a supreme being. I believe there's something bigger than me out there, a person, a force, or whatever it is. And I believe it's important to seek that God. And I want more of that in my life. And you would not believe the effort and the obstacles and the difficulties that I have in my life in my spiritual search. I really try, but in a city like this, there's so much against me, there's so much you gotta go, you know, there's so much that I have to overcome. I mean, all these obstacles that I have to overcome in my spiritual, you know, we, we think of spirituality and spiritual search as obstacle racing. I don't know obstacle racing was considered a sport. It's a sport, right? I mean, there's mud and trail runs, climbing over walls, carrying heavy objects in your back, and traversing bodies of water. It looks easy when you look at it on the TV. But when you get at it, when you do it, five minutes into when you drop dead, right? Traversing bodies of water, crawling on the barbed wire, jumping through the fire, all that stuff. It seems like, man, to find God, You would not believe the conditions of my house, the conditions of work, the situation, you know, the struggles that I have, but I'm at it, I'm struggling, I'm trying. It's pretty much how we conceive of spirituality and faith. But this story turns that thing all around, turns that thought upside down. Because this story is the incredible obstacles Jesus has to go through to get to this woman and to get to us. He's in the, I mean, when you talk about obstacle racing sport, Jesus is the man. He's the guy. He, he traverses everything. He overcomes all the obstacles, and interestingly, the obstacles that she herself is raising. If you would ask her, she would probably talk about all the difficulties she has in her church for God. She's a spiritual woman. She's a religious woman. But Jesus is telling, you know, Jesus is showing this story. No No way. No way. I want to show you all the stuff I got to go through to get to you. And you don't make it any easier, by the way. <laughs> so let's talk about those obstacles that Jesus has to overcome, those barriers that he has to jump in order to get to us. First of all, I'm going to start with the easy one, with the easy barriers, the external barriers. They don't make it easy, but they're the easier ones when we get to the hard one. you see why it's hard, why I call it easy. And these external barriers are the racial and the cultural and the religious and the moral barriers that Jesus has to overcome to engage with this woman. You know, Jews and Samaritans, they don't get along. It's like Dominicans and Puerto Ricans in the 60s and the 70s. Now we're like, you know, we gotta stick together because there's much more Latino groups and you know. But it was like you know it was an insult to tell my dad he was a Puerto Rican. It was an insult. It was like what you know what are you talking about? And I grew up with that thought, right? And then you study our roots and what? what? We're in the same place, man. You know we eat the same food and everything. Just these barriers that we raise up. The Jews in Samaritan had deep, deep cultural and historic and religious barriers that separated from one from another. A history of long conflict, racial conflict, historical conflict, wars among them. The Samaritans were considered half-breed uh, Jews. You know, I'm not going to go into the story of it, but you know, they lived in the same territory and they avoided each other like gang turf. You, know, you don't cross that street. You don't walk through that street. You know, you, and for the Jews, it was like, you know, you're going to get contaminated. You, you're in danger when you walk in there. You might go through that neighborhood on the other side and you come out contaminated. You can't go to the temple that day. That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So there was deep racial separation and conflict between them. Kind of like, you know, what we have. And we're we're living here. You look at Ferguson. I have a, 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 a white friend who I'm coaching. And he's from Ferguson. And he tells me, Robert, what you're seeing happening, there's a symptom. It's a symptom of a deep divide. He says, my parents are Christians, he tells me. And how much racial blurbs and and all the stuff that they come out, you know, and I have to confront them all the time, and they're people of faith. He says, you want to believe the divide that is there. And, you know, our discussion about race is so controlled by our prejudices and our history of pain or of abuse or whatever it is. This stuff here is deeper than that. It's really deep, it cuts deep. And then there's this cultural and social barrier. It was scandalous for a Jew to be seen talking in public with a woman alone. It was a scandal, and if he's a rabbi, he's considered a rabbi, there goes his reputation. Just to be seen talking to a strange woman alone. Remind yourself, this is not New York City we're talking about, this is a traditional small town culture. In our towns, some of us have come you know, countries. Still, man, a guy alone with a woman talking, you know, well, that's like, oh man, that's trouble. Right? That's trouble. Well, in this traditional culture, it's even more, and to make things worse, it's a Samaritan woman. And there's the religious divide. Serious differences of opinion about faith and spirituality. We're going to read this in a moment. But they go into this discussion of where it is that we're supposed to worship. In this mountain, or in Samaria, you know, and Jesus tells them. I mean, Jesus doesn't shy away from the conflict. He says, you Samaritans worship here, but you, you don't know what you worship. We, the you know, salvation comes from the Jews. Let's clarify that. He doesn't, like, avoid the conflict. But then He tells them something has happened that destroys that barrier. The barrier is real. I'm not gonna deny it. I'm not gonna live like that's nothing. It's real, but something has happened that destroys that barrier. But it gets worse. It gets worse. Moral, the moral divide, and here is some here's where the story really emphasizes this one. You notice that this woman goes alone to the well. And it's midday. Women do not go alone. They go with a whole bunch of other women that help. Them. You know, they help each other. They go early in the morning before the sun hits. They're this kind of a protective group. They're supporting each other. This woman doesn't want to hang out with the other woman in the neighborhood, and the other woman in the neighborhood don't want to hang out with her. And she goes alone to the well at midday, which means one day there's something wrong about this woman that even her own people don't put up with her. And she's kind of fed up with them too. And we see through the story because we learn by the interaction with Jesus that this woman in the traditional small town culture has had five husbands. It means that probably everybody in town knows one of those husbands. <laughs> And that, I don't know if secretly or openly, probably secretly, she's having like a, the sixth one, she's like, I'm fed up with this marriage thing. Let's just live together. Let's just, you know, whatever. We don't know if it's an adulterous situation. We don't know what it is, but that's a no-no in that culture. Maybe nobody knew about that one. The Samaritans didn't put up with that one. So this woman has something, and think about this. The Samaritans were superstitious people. They were very superstitious. Just imagine that she widowed the five husbands. In that culture, man, this woman has a curse. Every guy that goes to drops dead. I can imagine the sixth one. I like you, lady, but I'm not marrying you. I'm enjoying you, but I'm not marrying you. I don't want to drop dead. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's divorcing. Let me tell you about something. In this culture, women did not divorce men. Which means, something was attractive about this woman, that men sought her, but the next day, she was repudiated by them. This is an oppressed woman. They are leaving her. They are looking for her. Something about her, the guys really like. I'm not going to say the way she dresses, because, you know, I would say that if we were in New York City. Boy, man, you know, do I have to, like, wear something in my neck while I walk on 42nd Street downtown. It's not New York. You know, they're properly covered. It's conservative. There's something really beautiful. Maybe beautiful eyes. Maybe the way she talks. I don't know what it is. But the thing is, after they're with her, she's no longer, there's something, there's some defect. Maybe she doesn't cook right. It was, they could do, they could leave her, you know. I mean, I kind of... Understand
1: that one, man. <laughs> um, you know, but you know,
0: maybe I don't know what it is. Maybe she doesn't use the over I don't know what it is, but there's something that's bad with her that they can't put up with and they leave her. Maybe it's some physical ailment. Maybe it's some defect when she takes her clothes off. I don't know what it is, but they leave her. This is not the typical immoral woman that's flirting a while with men. This is an oppressed woman who's being left by men that use her. It kind of changes the story a little bit, right? Man, if Jesus gets to her, yes, she's living in an immoral relationship, but he's identifying. He's saying, I know there's something deep in you that is hurting. This woman is. In the bottom pit of marginalization and oppression. she—she she, the Jews don't like her. Men can't, you know, There's the a problem with her. Her own sisters in the neighborhood, they can't hang out with her. I mean, just think about this woman and how she's feeling. And all the obstacles Jesus has to go through. And this is the point. Jesus deliberately and intentionally crosses all these barriers to get to this woman. You know, he starts a conversation with her. He's the one who initiates the conversation. And everything that she says to kind of, ev- you know, evasive comments, he takes advantage of to continue to engage in conversation with, with her. And literally he does not, he doesn't care that his reputation is on the line as a man and as a rabbi. He doesn't care what people say. He doesn't care how it looks to reach this woman, to engage this woman. But even more poignant yet, even more like emphasized in the text, in verse 4, if you observe, it says that he had to go through Samaria. This is something that is meant to stand out. Why? Because really Jesus did not have to go to Samaria. The Jews were accustomed to avoid Samaria. There were routes that would take you to the other side of the river. It's like, you know, upper Manhattan, you want to go to Midtown, you want to avoid Harlem, you go, you know, you cross over Jersey Shore and then you cross over the Lincoln Tunnel, and you don't avoid Harlem. Right? That's kind of the route. You don't go through Harlem. I remember, man, I remember in the 70s when I grew up in Washington Heights and the Dominican, you know, you don't go through Harlem. You kind of avoid it. You go through the outside highways. Right? That, that was the thought. And that was the thought here.
1: And that was the custom,
0: that was the route. He didn't have to go, but it says that he had to go through Samaria. There's a commentator, his name is D.A. Carson, he says this is a rare expression. This is, this is a rare expression This he didn't really have to. And this is what he comments. This is the impulse, this is the impulse of a divine appointment. Amen. This woman had an appointment with God that she wasn't even looking for. And she was actually avoiding. Think about all the obstacles that Jesus has to go through. So, here we go. Once again, once again. This is a front collision with the way the majority of people think about faith and spirituality. Many people think about faith and spirituality, as I mentioned. It's primarily about me and what I do and the... Obstacles that I have to overcome. To you know, I, I pray, I read the Bible, I, I try to obey the Ten commandments. I live this in life. Uh, it is so hard. It's so hard. So hard. And really, every religion operates in those terms. Every religion operates in those terms. And, and by the way, it's exclusive and it's elitist because religion teaches you the ones who make it. Are the ones who are able to have an encounter with them, the ones who overcome, the ones who live properly, the ones who do the right things, they're the ones who can engage God. Which disqualifies probably, I don't know, a third of this room, fifty percent. That's what I like about this church. Everybody's kind of knows they're disqualified. Religious about the efforts that I make and the barriers that I have to overcome to get to God, and even when I'm a down and out and marginalized person, if I get my, if I get out of that because there are opportunities, because you know you can hear you can hear it, man, I decided one day no more, and I and I went back to school and I, you know I entered a program. Or, you know, I decided to, whatever. You hear these heroic stories of people that come from the bottomless pit and they're making it now. It's all about, you know, I decided, I decided, I made it. That's the language of our culture. That's the language of religion. Christianity is the other way around. Christianity is what God has done to get to me the incredible barriers God has to you could be, like, in your life, kind of like like this woman, avoiding you don't want to be in trouble, you don't want to mess with anybody, you want people messing with you. You have your agenda, you don't want, you know, you're in the secure little life distance, a little bit from pain, you're kind of tired of that, and you've built your life around protecting you from other people and being isolated, being like on yourself, nobody bothered me. But not from Jesus. You cannot hide from this man. He will show up when you don't want him to show up. He will ask you stuff that you don't want him to. <laughs> he, he's going to be a menace, and maybe today he's a menace. Maybe today you came like, okay, okay, okay. I'll, you know, I'll go. <laughs> maybe I don't know what it is, but Jesus is like in this hot pursuit, and he goes through all these impediments to reach.
1: Go! Oh.